Hello, Harry. Hello, Maddie. Welcome to Just Over the Fence, our monthly podcast where we get to know our friends better and uh, have some backyard conversations with our friends. I'm excited about our guest today. She's a Colorado icon and Denver claims her today, but she's originally from Kentucky. Louisville. Hazel Miller, who we met thanks to you, Harry. We got to know her. We learned about her when we first moved here, what, 16 years ago? Yes. You discovered Hazel first. I did. I wasn't really playing piano at the time. I thought, well, married kids, I've moved, I'm done playing piano. And then you come home from a women's business meeting and you say, we had this speaker tonight. She is a singer. She didn't sing. She told her story, but based on her story and how she told it, I think you would love her music. And you never listened to me about what to listen to with music. Well, I try to. Well, I think I do actually. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> well, so yes, I came home. Her her story is powerful, and you will hear parts of it. She just has soul. There are just some people who, if they're talking, they're laughing, they're crying, they're singing, they're painting, whatever they're doing, they do it with soul, and that would be our friend Hazel. So you came home from this meeting and said, Hazel Miller. We need to go hear her. And you said, eh. I probably did. You I, definitely did. I don't remember, but yeah. <laughs> because it was a women's business meeting yeah. that invited us. So. I said, oh, great. Yeah. but So you found that she was performing at the Clock Tower. And, Lanny's uh, Clock Tower. At downtown Denver. And so we go down there. Well, you were right. It was an event for Cleo Parker Robinson, mm-hmm. another Denver icon, and Hazel and her band were performing, and wow. Yeah, so Hazel walks out, and I, I'd i say my jaw hit the floor, and Dana Marsh was playing piano. Yes. Night. I remember it clearly, and I remember turning to you and saying, if I could play the piano more like anybody, it would be that guy up there. Thanks to your encouragement. Long story short, I ended up taking lessons from him and and ended up playing with him in Hazel's band. We're excited for you to learn about Hazel today. Mm-hmm. She's not only a beautiful, gifted singer, but she's a beautiful soul. If you've never seen Hazel play, you need to once we get rolling here and open the concert scenes back up. Or you can watch her virtually. She was just on with Big Head Todd and the Monsters, she tours with them. They just did a virtual live concert from Red Rocks Amphitheater. A couple of weeks ago, it was really good. Oh, it was so good. She has been generous in sharing her stage with a lot of young women who want to come up and, and become singers. And she was very kind and identified talent in our daughter, Brie, early on. Brie grew up with the band since she was two. And Hazel affectionately calls the band members, children, and grandchildren, the band babies. So Bree's a band baby. This is true. Hello. <laughs> Hello, podcast land. <laughs> Hello, band baby. <laughs> Hazel gave you a chance to sing at the Lakewood Amphitheater when you were how old the first time? Um, Ten, literally ten. <laughs> when you were ten. That's a rare thing. Playing to a mm-hmm. packed house. It was yeah. a sold-out crowd. A couple thousand people there. And Hazel, like she does with those who are coming up behind her, took a chance. Took a chance on a 10-year-old. <laughs> Bree, what does Hazel Miller mean to you? Hazel is the most encouraging person ever. 
She's a mentor always, and I would not even realize that I loved singing if it weren't for her. Like, I seriously would not have even realized it. I just loved it. Matt and I loved it when Brie first stepped on the stage at age 10. One of the reasons we let her do that so young is the confidence that Hazel and Coco both instilled in our daughter. And then I'll never forget the visual of each of those incredibly gifted women standing with Brie in the middle and cheering her on and letting her know, yes, you can do this. You have a gift, Brie. So Brie, are you going to join Hazel in a couple of songs? I think she texted a couple of songs for you to maybe join in some harmonies today. I am. Should we get rolling, Wiesner? Let's go. Rolling! Just over the fence. Here we go. I thought I would start by talking about your history, because you have sung on stage with some legends. I mean, I I know a few. Herbie Hancock is one. I got a call to go out to Monterey to do this um, big business. Uh, It had been going on for like 10, 15 years. And uh, I got out there, and um, Herbie Hancock was on stage. He goes, oh, you're the new singer? And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't know he was going to be there? No, he was one of the founders. Uh, and uh, now it's called um, Is it Ted? Ted. And uh, I would sing one song a cappella every morning. I'd get there on Thursday, sing Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, go home Sunday evening. And my very first Ted was in Kobe, Japan. And his singer didn't make it. Um, Hazel, would you uh, like to sing a couple songs with us? And in my mind, I'm going, is water wet? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yes, sir. (laughs) So I'm trying to think. I, I know three songs back then that I knew the keys and the arrangement. And I, 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 he chose two of those three, and I got to sing with his trio for um, the Sunday afternoon. At lunch, he would do a whole show, do like an hour, and I got to sing uh, two songs, and uh, then he brought me back for a third song. Wow. And I've sung with him two or three times after that. What's your memory of the feeling of either being around him or, or <gasps> making music with him? He's so smart. Um, he had a bass player, I guess, that, that was really young. And uh, they would start speaking in this, what I consider a foreign language. And he goes, well, when you get to, and they're looking at the chart, when you get to two, blah, 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 go to this, that. And, the, and I'm sitting there going, oh, do they know I don't understand? <laughs> but I followed and I listened and it was, it was the best music lesson I think I've ever had. And how long ago was that, Hazel? Oh, my goodness. Um, 27 years. Wow. Who's another legend that oh. you've performed with that comes to mind and you could tell us about being around? James Taylor. I met him doing an Eat Town in Boulder, and I'm standing on the side of the stage. It's the encore, and me and Lori are bopping. He goes, come on out here, Hazel, let's sing this. I couldn't move. Lori pushed me. And I stumbled out there, and I didn't know the song. He said, sing what you want. So I just started singing the chorus with the band. Two, three years later, I was um, snuck into Red Rocks, and James Taylor was playing, and he walks up to me, and he goes, 
Helen. I said, close enough. He goes, no, no, no. Hazel? I said, yes, sir. I said, if, if, if nothing else, could I have a hug? He gave me the warmest hug ever. Lou Rawls, I got so homesick on his tour. We played um, Indianapolis, and I went to my hotel room, and there was my sister and both my kids. He had sent for them because I was lonely. And they were bouncing, jumping up and down on the bed. You were touring with Lou Rawls? Mm-hmm. I was his opening act for uh, six weeks. Mm-hmm. I had always known who he was, but we went through a real Sam Cooke phase. Oh. And so right. that, that was also kind of an education in hearing Lou mm-hmm. Rawls on a lot of those tracks. What, what's your memory of being on tour with Lou Rawls being around him? He was funny, which you didn't expect that because he's such a tuxedo guy. And I had to go buy some clothes because <laughs> I was used to just, you know, you put some pants on, a nice shirt, you go to work. No. Mm-mm. He was a t- the whole band, back backup singers were all in. We had to dress up. He was funny, funny, funny. He would crack these really, in kind of like Dana, these inane jokes. But they were so weird, you had to laugh. <laughs> He really, um, the thing I remember most was that he was very kind. When he came to Denver and he played what is now called the Gothic, I got a phone call. He knew I was living here because I stayed in touch with a couple of his guys. And Dana and I opened for him. We walked out and did a half an hour just voice and piano. He he was, uh, we played in Cincinnati and my brother and sister drove my Aunt Blue Jay up. And she had just turned... I don't know. She was somewhere between 65 and 70. She had just had a birthday. And he came backstage and introduced himself to her. Wow. She was in awe. Yeah. She met Lou Rawls, and he had them put her on the front row. My Aunt Blue Jay was about four foot nine, four foot ten. He didn't want her to have to be in the back. Did you not sing, if I'm remembering right, for Billy Graham? I I did. Um, At Ted, this was a Sunday, and we knew he was in the hotel. We didn't know he was going to come over, come over. He comes over. He's with his wife, and she is just the sweetest little tiny woman. It was his birthday, and she asked if I knew Amazing Grace. So I sang it a cappella. And then his favorite song was His Eyes on the Sparrow. So back. Later on, I did that one for him, just him. And two things you did not do in the summertime. You know, Billy Graham always had his um, revivals. revivals on TV. My mother never stayed up past sundown until Billy Graham was on TV. Don't make no noise. Don't come through the living room. Do not disturb her. I only wish she had lived long enough to know that I met him. She thought the world of him. She would sit there and hang on every word. But he always had that amazing gospel. He'd always have a gospel choir. Absolutely. And she was from Mississippi. Does it get any more gospel than Mississippi? (laughs) And I like to think maybe your mom did have something to do with that. I I think she put in a good word for me. She may have. (laughs) Can she sing with him just once? (laughs) 
But he gave a speech the, the Saturday morning to this group of um, techie people. He had them. They, they were crying. The, the guitar player from um, this big British rock band, he had come over because he had heard about Ted. And, uh, and he goes, who knew? Billy Graham. <laughs> who is someone who you know personally who has been an influence on you in music in your life? Personally? And, and what did they teach you? Um, you know what? Dana. Dana Marsh. I, we started playing together in 1978 in Louisville, Kentucky. He lived in New Albany, Indiana, which is right across the river. And back then... It was an um, unspoken thing that there were no mixed bands, no racially mixed bands. He was with a band called The Graduates, and they were like the big wedding band. So when he told them that he was going to start playing some jobs with me, these guys are like, no, man, you can't, you can't do that. She's black. You can't do that. So Dana, he ignored them. We started rehearsing in a bank vault, a big metal <laughs> bank vault with a little um an old um fender roads and me and dana and dana taught me jazz songs because i didn't read music and he knew that if i didn't know these songs before the other guys came to rehearsal they would quit i learned the basics how to be on time how to be prepared how to listen for that note that will make the song happen for me. And no matter what happens, stay with the, um, with the form. I didn't know what form meant, but I do now. <laughs> he taught me what keys I sing in. He taught me how not to go past my comfortable limit, <laughs> my comfort zone. Dana, He's one of the smartest musicians I know. He's one of the nicest people I know. And he taught me that color has nothing to do with anything. It has to do with the spirits and the confidence and the giving and the sharing of the people making the music. And here we are, 42 years later, and we are still playing together. Amazing. And beautiful. Still playing together. And he is, without a doubt, one of the most amazing people I know. And Matt and I can second that and third that, right? <laughs> Strongly. 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 That's how I know you. Absolutely. Yeah. He, uh, so, yeah, I, we had seen you at the clock tower. And... Harry encouraged me to contact him. <laughs> well, no, I said, he said, if I could play like anybody more so, I, it'd be that man on the piano right now. And I said, well, go talk to him. But and, you took lessons uh, from him, right? Well, I did eventually. Much, much later. Probably oh. three years later. Wow. That long? years later. So he called, I remember I was at work and he called and called my cell phone and said, well, uh, I, I haven't given a lot of lessons, but I'm willing to try. So it changed my trajectory to be able to learn from mm -hmm. him. And I still do like when we're all playing together, oh, you know, does. one of my, <laughs> this is a funny thing. I have this memory of playing one time in the band and I thought I was going to take a solo and Dana thought he was going to take a solo. <laughs> 
And uh, we both started at the same time by playing the exact same thing. And I thought, I feel like I've arrived. I yes, just played the same thing that Dana wanted to play. Grasshopper. Yeah. Yeah. Grasshopper. <laughs> Even though I do have a long way to go. but uh, Actually, yeah. you're one of the few... I, I'm because I don't read music because I don't have that um, knowledge that theory. Um, I'm really really picky about who I sing with, but you're one of the few people I will jump in and sing with because I know you you listen, and I never get lost. Mm-hmm. You always have my back, mm-hmm. and I love that. Well, I love that. Well, it's an honor to play with you, Hazel. Anytime. <laughs> He's got to get out more, y'all. <laughs> Can I say something? I've already heard you say a few times today what you don't know about music theory or things like that. But the thing is, you are filled with musicality. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And creativity. And Just those you nuns. Are when the I nuns. was in the first grade, you every morning we would go to mass at uh, eight o'clock. Class started at eight thirty, so mass was like really quick. I always stood on the end, and a nun would walk by me and squeeze my shoulder or squeeze my arm and say, "Hazel, sing louder. They'll follow you." Okay, <laughs> when you're six years old, somebody tells you to sing loud, you sing loud. Right. And it was like, yeah, okay. When you are the fifth of seven children, anything that singles you out is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Was that your first encouragement as a singer? Oh, no, no, no. My my father used to, um, we always watched Ed Sullivan every Sunday as a family. And uh, if I was on punishment, I had to wash dishes. So, I and I hated it. So I'm standing in there on my on my chair, washing dishes, and uh, Nancy Wilson was on. And I knew the song because my father used to sing it all the time. So on my very first CD, I have that song on there, I Wish You Love, and I'm singing along with it. And the next thing I knew, I looked up, and my mother and father were standing in the kitchen doorway. And and I said, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And my father smiled, and he walked away. And my mother said, you know, you could do that, but you got to finish those dishes first. <laughs> oh, I love your mom. Yeah. <laughs> she was practical if nothing else. And I started in the third grade, Father Samuel Bayani let me sing in the Christmas special. Couldn't go to midnight mass unless you were in high school. So on Christmas morning, the school choir sang, and I got to sing a solo with the eighth graders. And that was the beginning of everything. I said, Father, I, I, I've never been out of the West End. It's where all, all the black people lived in the West End. And uh, he had a club called Children of Mary, and it was all the, little, all the girls. And, and Father Sam told me, you can do this. So you started going out of the West End and singing. <laughs> but how did it go from there to... Oh. You know how in Denver there is um, there are these there's two or three really great jazz clubs. Yes. Well, we had one. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Joe's Palm Room, and one night in Louisville, Kentucky. In Louisville, Kentucky, and one night on a, a just 
on a bet. My brother bet me that I didn't have the nerve to walk in there and sing. I knew one guy in the band, Rowley White, played bass. And I begged Rowley. He said, well, come back Saturday night and we'll do it because they'll be drunk enough. Nobody will notice. (laughs) (laughs) I walked in and I sang Don't Get Around Much Anymore. And I did a, and we did a street life, and everything got quiet. And I thought, oh, I don't care if they don't like it, I don't care. I, start, I started singing for me. We got to the end of the song, and they all stood up and started screaming and yelling and clapping. Yeah. Two nights later, Riley called me. He said, what you doing? I said, I'm home. You just called me. <laughs> he said, change your clothes. Get down here. Bobby Ledford was the big singer in Louisville. He was sick. So I went down. I didn't know Bobby was sick. He just said, change your clothes and get down here. Called my mother. She took the kids. I drove down. And uh, I walked in the back door. And they were, like, waving at me from the stage. And I thought, where's Bobby Ledford? So on the break, they took me out front, told me what I was going to do. They gave me four songs to sing. Do you know them? I said, yes, I do. I did those four songs. And the owner came out, Mr. Joe, and he hired me. Joe's had been open for 55 years. And I started working there uh, four nights a week. I worked there for two years, four nights a week. But I had been in small neighborhood bands before that. I opened for James Brown when I was a junior in high school. What? We didn't get to meet him, though. I mean, he wasn't that nice. Okay, okay. <laughs> Speaking of approachable or not approachable, right? My brother was on his way to Vietnam. He had uh, 30 days off from the Marines, and my mother made him go with me. Okay. I never saw him, though. Yeah. Wow. It How was, cool, though. I, 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 have, I have fallen into things, and I used to think it was by accident, but it's not. It's it's a divine plan, and that and. People are like, well, don't you want to be the next Aretha? No, she's Aretha. I'm just going to do what I do. And it worked out. Right. He said, stop here. You don't need to go to L.A. Stay right here in Denver. And I did. And blessings fell out of the sky for me. So that's a, that's a story in itself, <laughs> right? Yep. I, got, I, I had a... I had a horror. I lost my mother. Uh, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. The last thing she said was, get out of here. I called Dana out. Dana was living in Denver. He said, just stop. Just, I said, I'm going to go to L.A. Can we stop and hang out for a few, me- few, few days and then go on? My ex-brother-in-law said, don't bring those boys to L.A. All the riots were going on, 84. Right. He said, uh, he said they will chew them up and spit them out. He said they may not even make it. We stopped here. The U-Haul truck wouldn't go another, another mile. When they didn't fix it, I had to find an apartment. And me and the boys, we said our prayers, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I went over to the Brown Palace. Uh, my neighbor asked me for a ride. He worked at the Brown Palace as a porter. I went downstairs, filled out an application. They called me the next day. I was a supervisor for the maids. I lasted three months, couldn't stand it, (laughs) and started working for Lairs. Uh, You know those ladies in the mall that 
take care of the plants. I did that for two years. And Joe Tripp, God bless his heart. Dana used to call me, and I'd go sit in because everybody knew Dana. Dana was everybody's first call. Dana would have me come sit in with all these people he knew. And Joe Tripp called me one day. He said, you want to be in a band? I'm like, yes, sir. Sure do. And I never looked back. Mm -hmm. The, the fact that you belong to Denver today, we can thank U-Haul for that. Oh, U-Haul. <laughs> of course, I, um, I I have cursed them on many occasions. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. But after a couple of years, I, I was grateful. Yeah, well, we certainly are grateful. Yeah. Well, Hazel, I wonder if you would be uh, willing to do a song, and I hope you are because I've set up a couple of mics here. <laughs> Could we do something here? I've got yes, the, we can. I've got the keyboard here, too. Well, thank you very much. And I, I see a singer that I know very well. And we'll see if we'll, we can get Bree to come sing with us. All right. Let's do this. You introduced me to this arrangement. This uh, Donnie Hathaway and... Uh, Roberta Flack. Roberta Flack. Mm -hmm. You got a friend. Friend. 
Thank you, Hazel. Hey, could we do one more? This is a song I heard oh. you and Dana do when we watched the uh, Five Points Jazz Festival. This is um, the most famous song I think Mahalia Jackson ever recorded. And right now, it is so true. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the to you what life um it's god's voice in the back of my head it's 
it's calm when I am when I'm just too angry or too something right now we are in the middle of an enormous pandemic that the whole world is afraid but in America we're afraid about other things so for me music is that centering spot where I know I can go find God find my heart find the guys that have become my family and their families have become my family. Yes, we So have. it's everything. Can't imagine not having it. What music do you listen to for pleasure or for when you need a, a time of rest? When I want to chill out, I listen to jazz. And I, I, I apologize because bebop to me gets, gets me all worked up. But I, I love piano jazz. It is soothing. It is solid. And I can I can clean, I can pay bills, I can make phone calls for the band, and it's my company. It's like having somebody else in the house with me and I can turn it up, turn it down, whatever. When I wanna when I wanna dance around the house, the first couple of days we were in quarantine. I listen to a lot of Motown, a lot of Michael Franti. He has the most powerful, positive message. He reminds me of Bob Marley. So I play a lot of reggae. I like cheerful music. I want to dance from the kitchen to the bathroom because I know I got to clean this bathroom. You know, I want something that's going to make me clean it fast. Right. <laughs> I love voices. I you, love voices. You mentioned Nancy Wilson. Oh. Who, who else? Barbara Streisand, ooh-wee, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn, um, uh, say her name, Dionne Warwick. Um, some of these new singers I'm not real thrilled with because they all kind of sound the same to me, but I love Trisha Yearwood. Mm. I like, now my favorite country singer is Patsy Cline. Patsy could sing the phone book, and I'd run out and buy it. No argument here. I love her. I want a voice that is soulful. I want to hear a voice that has personality. And it's so unique that the moment you hear it, you know who it is. Big Head Todd. These young men, three of them, uh, I met them by accident. Didn't know them. It found out later that they knew me. And they had always wanted to have me either sing with me, play with me, or have me sing with them. I didn't know. And way back in 95, um, they had this huge hit. Uh, this, this CD came out, and it was huge. It was the number one CD in the country. And they had a song on there called It's All Right. They were about to do the, um, uh, what do you call it, the uh, big CD release at the, at the Boulder Theater. They could have done it somewhere bigger, but their fans, their fans wanted the Boulder Theater, so that's what they did. The young lady who's singing on it is from Minneapolis. She couldn't make it. I got a phone call. Hazel, can you learn a song and sing it tomorrow night? I'm like, yeah, what is it? 
Big Ed Todd and the Monsters. I'm like, who? <laughs> really? I mean, I, ca- I kind of knew them, but they were like, it was generations behind me, right? So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, so I, they sent the CD to me in a yellow cab. I went out to the porch, got the CD, played it over and over. My son was a junior in high school, and we listened to it, and we had a good time. I went the next night, and I sang it. And uh, I walked out on stage, and all I had to sing was, It's all right if you don't want to. That's all I had to sing. So then at the end, it was just kind of dead air. And this kid looks over at me, and he goes, Do what you do, Hazel. I'm like, do what I do. So I just start singing these ad-lib things. And the crowd loved it. And the song was over, and I waved, and I left. Little do they know, I I was so afraid, I thought I was going to pass out. I had never sung in Denver to a crowd that big. They, it was, I think it was 1,300 people they had squeezed in there. And then the following summer, my son graduated from, Manu, uh, from Mullen, and uh, I got a phone call. Todd said, you want to get on the bus with us? And I said, no, I think I'm a little too old for that. And he goes, no, 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 come on, get on the bus with us. Try it for six weeks, and if you hate it, no, no harm done. So I tried it for six weeks, and I got hooked, and I stayed on the bus for four years. What's a show you played that you'll never forget? <laughs> uh, the first time I played Red Rocks. Uh, I walked out, and Todd said, are you ready? And I, I think I nodded, and it came around to me, and not a sound came out. And Todd looked over at me like, is she going to pass out? <laughs> and I, I nodded back at him, and he, he, um, he kind of covered it up and went to the next, next, next verse and got to the chorus. And he looked at me, and uh, the bass player came over and kind of tapped me in the back with the head of his bass guitar, and I just went, it's all right. <laughs> and from then on, I have played Red Rocks with them 17 times. 17 times I have walked out on that stage and my grandchildren think I'm the cat's meow. <laughs> Not just your grandchildren. <laughs> I think I I actually did see, did see you before the clock tower and that was uh, when you mentioned Big Head Todd's first, or Sister Sweetly. Sister it was, Sweetly. It was the big mm-hmm. hit record and I was working at at a rock station in Sioux City, Iowa at that time. And that album did really well. We played Sioux City. Sioux City. Uh, in 1996, we played Sioux City twice. Yeah. Nicest well, people ever. Well, I was in Thank the you. I was in the audience for one of those. It was <gasps> a big outdoor festival, summer yeah. festival. And I remember. Wasn't that the 4th of July or something? Yeah, 4th of July Still weekend. It goes on it's every 4th of July. Saturday in the park. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, was, uh, that was my first, the first time I'd ever been to Iowa. Oh. See, we should have met that. Yeah, exactly. Te- I had a well, ball. Yeah. Well, it's funny that I, I actually didn't know your name then, but I do remember hearing you sing that day. <laughs> I'm always amazed at how much the Midwest loves music. Hazel, what is something about you outside of music that we don't know? Something that might surprise us? I love to garden. I will get out there at the crack of dawn 
And I am so dirty when I come in the house and shower, when it get when the sun's going down. I have actually made mud in my bathtub. Yeah. I love to garden. And if anybody calls me and says, can you come help me in my garden? I take my tools and my wagon, and I'm on my way. So what is it about gardening? Reminds me of my mother. My mother could make anything grow. There were seven of us. We lived in the projects. And every summer, we were the only family that had a full garden in the backyard. We had tomatoes. We had onions. We had one, two, three, four stalks of corn. We had... uh, Pinto beans, we had green beans, we had cabbage. We never had grew lettuce, I don't know why. Um, and turnips. And she fed us from that garden. She fed us from that garden. There were seven of us. Four, boy, four girls and three boys. We, we, and don't even think about throwing a ball in that garden if you like living. My mother could give you a look that would wither the devil himself. She didn't have to raise her voice. She'd give you that look, and you knew that you had disappointed her, and you didn't ever want to do that again. This lady worked six days a week. We didn't know until she died that she had congenital heart disease. We had no idea. She never said a word. She must have been suffering her entire adult life and never said a word so no I garden because it reminds me of my mother and I love the look of a beautiful yard I don't necessarily like 100 degrees but (laughs) 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 but I will get out there early in the morning and work and and I her thing was um canna lilies the big talk um, we never had to close our curtains at night in the summer because the canna lilies were so deep, so dense, and they were about six, seven feet tall, so we never had to close our curtains. Last question, Hazel. What's okay. something you'd like to throw over the fence? A piece of wisdom or a thought you'd like to share? Kindness. Random acts of kindness Today, every day, America needs kindness because out of kindness comes love. And if we have to start somewhere, start with kindness. Amen. That's it. The rest will follow, won't it? I think it will. I sure hope so. Grace and kindness. This is a, speaking of America, this is a time where things are changing right now. And it's it's a little scary right smack in the middle of a pandemic. But um when I saw that video and that man lying there begging for his life and the gentleman that had his knee on his neck was looking right into the camera absolutely unfazed. It made my heart go cold. Because that kind of indifference, all I could think of was that the devil was in his ear. The devil was in his ear. And maybe he didn't mean to do it. Maybe he didn't mean for it to end that way. But at that moment, looking into that phone, he was feeling this 
power over everything. And that's not what life is about. Life is about grace, kindness, love. It's not about having power over someone weaker than you. And those words from you echo because that is the way we watch you live your life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I keep trying to tell myself that when I leave here, and I will, <laughs> at 66, I got to go sometime, that maybe some of these young ladies that I have talked to or coached, that they will sing a song one night and say, this is for Hazel. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm hoping for. Well, I know one upstairs right now. They will. <laughs> when, when I sing with, with these young women, I hear this voice and I realize that all of this carries on and on and on and on. So that's why I know America will survive. We are the world's melting pot. And if we do nothing else, we always survive the worst of times. Amen. The absolute worst of times. We always survive. Everybody you know over a certain age remembers where they were when John Kennedy died. And if we can survive that, we can survive everything. Amen. Hey, so let me add some thanks. Knowing you and getting to play music with you and your band has changed my trajectory, my life, and my family's life. Uh, it's funny just sitting here today thinking about if if we hadn't met you, our lives would be a lot different and, and poorer for it. So Mine too, because I am in love with this family. <laughs> You're probably going to have to cut that. <laughs> Most of the cutting I do is stuff I say. Don't worry. <laughs> What's cool today, Harry, is I've worked for I've worked for Hazel for over a decade, and I feel like I really got to know her a lot better today. Yeah, isn't it fun? Uh, how often do we get the opportunity? Well, it's one of the reasons we started this is to set someone down and ask them questions about who they are mm-hmm. behind the mic or behind the scenes or behind the job front and why they do what they do. As as we continue to get back up and running here. She's got her schedule up at hazelmiller.biz. If you haven't seen her, please do. Heavy stuff going on in the world today as we head into the middle of summer. Fourth of July, right around the corner. And um, Hazel just has this way of cutting through it all and getting to the heart of people and overflowing the love through song. Music is so healing, Matt. Well, this today was healing for me, too. There's a quote that Hazel, I feel like, embodies by Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And if you're in the presence of our dear friend Hazel Miller, and then if you're blessed enough to hear her sing, you'll never forget how she made you feel. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about Hazel, Maddie? It's a combination of the rhythm of her, the music that comes from her and her soul. And that's reflected in her band. 
but also the fact that she shares love so openly right. from the stage and in person. She just does. She's a loving, generous person. She certainly has been to me and my family. So She has the gift of giving. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in her presence, she's always trying to give you something. Absolutely. Harry, we are going to uh, do this again, which makes me very happy. Yes, and we're excited about next month's guest <laughs> yes, as well. We are. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. Yeah. Someone who I would say, I don't know what he would say about this, but I, I would say he's an artist too. He's an incredible artist. And yeah. if we can get him, he may he may sing us a little, a little one-liner maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm also thinking though, he's an artist in the sense of he is a genius businessman. Totally. And I've heard this from other businessmen. They've been in meetings with Charlie Foti. And somebody will hand out some financial papers, and they're all looking at him trying to see, okay, what's going on here? And he just zeroes in. He says, here's your problem. That leadership idea of taking a complex thing and making it simple and communicating it. He brings color to the... (laughs) Yeah, he'll make you laugh, too. He'll make you laugh. Exactly. Charlie is, is gifted. He's a gifted speaker. He's a gifted leader. He's a mentor. He encourages strength and confidence, and and as our first few guests have shown, they want you to be the very best you you can be. Go and be better today. Mm-hmm. Go and do better. You know, if you're on the phone with Charlie, he'll often sign off by saying, "Make it a great day," and that's there's a lot right there in that in that sentence. Absolutely. Yeah, we need him to write a book at some point. I know his family is encouraging him to. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of Charlie-isms. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get a few yeah. next time on Just Over the Fence. So that's next time that uh, episode will be out right around the 1st of August. Hey, can we just give a little more thanks to Keith? Yes. It's me, Keith. You can find her on Facebook. It's me, Keith. She is providing treats for our guests. It's me, Keith, on Facebook and home dot food dot sweets on instagram and she also does catering for dinner uh for your family dinners at home you can uh, get in touch with her to get a menu and see what she's cooking that week and she'll deliver delicious filipino cuisine for mm-hmm. the dinners and beyond last week we got spicy tamales mm. thank you keith thank you keith it's me keith on facebook hey everybody Make it a great month. We'll talk to you next month. Just over the fence.